again? I should stop saying that because we're always back. Which again? Yeah, I I don't know why I say it. I think it's because we take breaks every once in a while. It just gets in my head. But I'm here with Jordan and Stefan. We have two guests tonight. The returning two. Still no Jay at the moment. He might join in at some point, or he might join in the chat at some point. I'm not too sure. It depends Hopefully what he's not. doing. We unfortunately summoned a demon and lost him in the void somewhere, so he might Which be Which wasn't back. at all a plot. Yeah, it wasn't at all a plot by us to get rid of the little halfling. <laughs> oh, that could be horrible there. I mean, it's we're always are horrible. It's Jay, so <laughs> I know I'll, I'll be. I'll not be as nasty as I was going to be. Are you sure? Not defend. Yeah, I was going to call him the little halfway. But... <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, when I never stop you, Steph. I'm, I'm yeah, really nice. Not... Do you know what? No, all right. Before we go on, right? I, I've got. Okay. Do you want to know what we're going to do today? Come on, we then. always come on here and we'll rant and rave and we'll pick on the French. Uh, and you know we're, we're generally so. we're nasty and we're frustrated about people and we call out all the idiocy in the world and then roast it yes 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 right today we're going to try we should try and be positive we should try and be nice whatever is said whatever happens we're just going to try and find the nice in it we're going to try and find the good in the world okay Bit we're going to do mean... the opposite of what we always do I mean I can immediately throw that in the dumps with my first topic so oh, fuck's sake no, no, we're going to find the positive in it, Kyle. Okay, the, I mean, there is a positive in this. It's very intelligent. It's very fantastic and brilliant. Please, you've been positive already. Right, so, th- this is to do with the title. I'm saying bring back the past because I think this is what we should do nowadays, okay? Uh, during the 1720 financial crisis... British Parliament debated fight. debated a resolution. Can you think of what the resolution is? Commit genocide. This is British Parliament, yeah, extra tax. British Parliament, it wasn't extra task, tax, it wasn't genocide, <laughs> technically. Technically? Alright, so start everyone out. <laughs> no. Deport everyone in Australia. It's more creative. No, that was that. earlier than the 1800s, the start of that, the 1600s to get a head start. Yeah. No, it, it's it's more convoluted than any of them. More convoluted. Um, yeah, it involves sacks. Ooh, uh, everyone gets one sack to put any stuff in that you want to keep. Everything else gets sold to raise money. That would have been intelligent. No, <laughs> would have been intelligent. But this is the British government. Exactly, not intelligent. But you know. Um, sacks. It, w- it would if you only applied the rule to the politicians. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. How to, for a financial crisis? Sack race. No, All right. I'll pay you out your misery. So during the 1720 financial crisis, British Parliament debated a resolution for bankers to be sewn into snag- sacks with snakes and dumped into the River Thames. So genocide. That no, that is progress. Who the they bank? Ba- they they want to do that are bankers. They debated whether or not to put bankers, which they believed oh. was the cause of the financial crisis, 
into yeah, no into socks with snakes, sew it up, and then throw them in the river. I would vote for yes, yes. but only if you replace bankers. Yes, fucking wanker bankers. I would put both in. I mean, be nasty. I feel like. I feel like even just putting Boris in would be a win. But, Cole, you were just going to call him Bollocks Johnson there. I was. Because <laughs> that's all he ever talked. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Bollocks Johnson, yeah. I, I caught that one. Uh, I tried right. to save it, no. but my brain just couldn't be bored. No. What, put, what, put him in and um, Jacob Rees-Mogg? Yes. Jacob Rees-Mogg. He seems like he... What we need is a government... That is actually for the people <laughs> by making it with p- people who've actually done a day's work in their life in it. Nah, you got to go to university. Uh, yeah. and you got to go to university for 10 years, learn how to pig's mouth, and then lie about it on television and try and get away with it. And then if you successfully do that, you can become a politician in England. Not or if you successfully start a country. war and then blame someone else. Or shag a, or get, or get, or get a wife that's richer or than he, you. Or get half the country pregnant and then pretend you don't understand what day of the week on Tuesdays. <laughs> Politi- Honestly, politicians are like fucking politicians. <laughs> this is this the thing. This we, we, I'm pretty sure we live in one of those dysmorphia realities that, like a dystopia re- reality that in the 60s and 70s people would have just imagined in comics. Like, yeah. can you ever imagine someone, like, who would have imagined there would be a worldwide pandemic and everybody would just go, meh, but I still want to go to the pub. This, when, in the UK, when it, when it was open. everyone. <laughs> Is the pub open? No, nah, it's closed this week. Damn it! Let's go to the shop. Right. <laughs> hey, hey. At least oh, we can't no. say avo- avoid something like the plague, because we all know we don't. Yeah, we don't avoid the we'll plague anymore. We're fucking towards it now. Well, we've got another two, another two yet. It's been two years of it. I still want to get a plague mask. A plague doctor mask. I still want ah, to complete fun. Guy Fawkes' good work. Yeah, full attire. I had to laugh the day. North Korea, actually, for once, said that they lied by going and had their first COVID death. That's impossible. Hold up. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You you just said North Korea once lied. No, wait. Tried to tell the truth, but we're actually they were lying because they said it was that first COVID death today. Was yeah, it not, everyone did they not everyone else like was executed was before the they died of COVID. <laughs> did they not say it was the first COVID death this year or something? No, this that first COVID ever COVID I mean, death. I mean, it goes with the old saying: if you're going to talk bollocks, you might as well make it legendary. Yeah, you might as well talk full bollocks. You might as well go for the fucking sky. <laughs> oh, shoot for the sky if you're gonna lie. Hey. Why? Right, I have one. I have an interesting one for Stefan. This definitely has a plus. Yes. Right, you know how chickens are descended from dinosaurs. Yes, uh, but uh, yeah, okay. According to some theories, that descend from dinosaurs. Same as alligators and all that sort of shit. Just birds in general. Yeah. 
If you bred aggressive chickens over centuries to always be the apex predator in their environment, would they slowly evolve back into the T-Rex? That's not how evolution works. That would be devolution. What's the thing? Can you, can you, under certain conditions, force something to devolve back to its base state? Uh, I would... <laughs> There's so much wrong with it. Um, I know there's so no. much wrong with this. This is exactly why I chose it, because I knew there was so much wrong with it, and I couldn't resist chucking it in for you. <laughs> Theoretically, yes. Because <laughs> we developed opposable forms. Because they are useful to us, and we need them. If they become useful, then we would only like, or, you know, defer to not having opposable thumbs after a long enough time. So given long enough, theoretically, yes, but it doesn't mean, like, you'd have to be able to manipulate it so particularly that it's the exact opposite at the right time. Because if you're like... Yeah, okay. I, mean, yeah, I, do, I, do, I, do, I do know what you mean. If you tried to forcefully devolve a creature, even if you did what... Even if you missed it by, like, one tiny millisecond detail, chances are it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve in a completely different way and have some yeah. sort of different traits. Like the T Rex is gonna, it, the T Rex is gonna have a chicken beak instead of a fucking mole or something. Yeah, exactly. So I do get what you mean. Or you might end up just evolving raptors instead, which isn't a total loss. It isn't. Did you know that the the skeleton that is the base of the raptors from the original um, Jurassic Park film got sold? Who was? I don't know. I was. I didn't read that far in, but I think it sold for like a hundred and fifty million or something. Committee of research, man. This this was just a random thing that I saw and didn't pay much, too much attention because I was half asleep at the time. I demand to know if you find someone bought a raptor. I demand to know who. You read. The... Right. Okay. Skeleton right dinosaur <laughs> that inspired the raptor <laughs> sells for twelve point four million. Uh, and, and this isn't an actual dinosaur skeleton, let's just be clear, is it? It's a prop, if you like. No, this is the extremely rare, actual 110 million year old skeleton. Okay, so I, I was going to say that is idiotic, but yeah, okay, I'm, I'm on board with this. Yeah, it, it, is, it is the 110 million year old skeleton of Apex Predator, Dianonicus. Antirohopsis, the fuck is that? Uh, it was unearthed in Wolf Canyon, Montana, between 2012 and 2014, and the complete skeleton was sold for $12.4 million at a world first auction, because apparently museums had no use for it anymore. And it was called Hector. Hector Bellerin. Like there was a T uh, Rex one sold, and it was called Stan. Yep. Yeah. The two fantastic names. It is us naming them. What shall we call this massive dangerous predator? Hector. Bob. What shall we call this bigger dangerous predator? Stan. Stan. Stan the man. <laughs> With a plan. It doesn't apparently, actually say it doesn't actually say who bought it. Only it stands at four foot tall and ten foot long. <laughs> it stands. 
Yeah, it stands. It it's legitimately it's one of those things where they've put the skeleton on metal wire, so it stands. It's like propped up, like the t- like T Rex things that you see in museums and stuff. So it, it legitimately doesn't... stands and looks at you. <laughs> the joke. Ah, uh, fuck off. Because he talked about Stan, and then he said he stands. La 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 la. Pardon me. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it was done by an anonymous buyer. Mm. Yeah, I oh, suppose no. it would be anonymous. Sorry. You wouldn't want someone to come and nick your Velociraptor skeleton. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, apparently, when the Jurassic Park writer saw the thing, they believed the creature's true name was not dramatic enough because no one would be able to understand it. Deinonychus Antiochus. So they changed it to Velociraptor. Yeah. I want to know where they got the words Velociraptor from them. Uh, I'm sure you could Google it. it well, it's a raptor. It's a, it's a species of raptor, isn't it? That's that's the base of yes, the raptor. Did... Jordan, mute your mic, please, because that's a lot of noise. She has buddy. Jordan. <laughs> you just got Woody. Said she has buddy. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. <laughs> anyway, what would it? I'm now looking at the Velociraptor to see where the fuck the name came from. Oh, for fuck's sake. I love the fact that the Natural History Museum thing has a... Like, you know how you get a... This is how you pronounce a word. It's got Vel-os-e-rap-tor. That is exactly how you do it. Which apparently means quick plunderer. Oh, well, there you go, then. Uh, you answer your own question. As portrayed in Jurassic Park movies, Velociraptor was recre- recreated at twice its actual size and closely modelled on Dinocus. Uh, though this was seen as unscientific at the time, soon after the film was released, a dinosaur of the same type, Euteraptor, was discovered even larger than the virtual Velociraptors. Kyle. Uh, it is now thought to have had a feather-like covering. I love it when we get to the part of the show where we go, Kyle, yes. pronounce these Latin words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks. You're fine with most of the languages, but Latin, nah. <laughs> Are you ready? Taxonomic details, right? Taxonomy. Yeah. Dinosauria, Sorichia, Theoropoda, Neothoropoda, Tetanure, Avethoropoda, Coleurosaura, Tyranoraptora, Maniraptoriformis, Maniraptora, Paraves, Eumaniraptora, and Dromaeosauridae, named <laughs> o- named by Osborne, nineteen twenty four. Osborne, go fuck yourself for those names. Ozzy Osborne. I don't know. It just says Osborne, but there's you've a picture. You've of been a, high in nineteen eighty four. There's a picture of a Velociraptor that looks like it's got a fucking mullet from the sixties. So you know. Was <laughs> Rod Stewart? It's known as a small theropod. I love the fact just quick plunderer, just because it steals everything. 
Oh, it's got furry boots. Look at it, it's way boots. Does that mean if someone's like a cat boots. burglar and they're really good and they're really quick in and out, they're technically a velociraptor? Yeah. I would be amazed if there's not been a burglar in the world that hasn't been nicknamed the Velociraptor. I, I'm pretty sure there aren't because not many burglars speak Latin. <laughs> oh, in a game. I mean, if I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of game character that's been called Velociraptor. And, not, and not just a Velociraptor in a game that's been called its actual name. Probably. Probably. I don't know which side of the fence I sit on here. Uh... <laughs> You have to nah. pick a side. You can't just sit on the fence. You'll nah, because so it, it, it would be so niche because you would have to know that Velociraptor means. What is it? Tiny burglar. Quick plunderer. That's the one. You'd have to know that that's what that means. And you just told me and I forgot. So what's the odds of most people knowing it? You forgot. Me forgot, man. English. English. No good English. I wonder what the Latin for... What did I say? Tiny burglar? I wonder what the Latin for that is. What's the Maybe Latin what the for tiny burglar? Latin discover a tiny and... burglar. Hoopto <laughs> Minimia. From now on, the fucking Velociraptor shall be known as the Hoopto Minimia. Hoopto, Hoopto, R U P T O R. It's basically Raptor, but with a U instead of an A. Raptor. Raptor Minima. Raptor Minima. What? 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 What time is it? Well, it's Chico time. No, oh, right, okay, I'm leaving. That's it. That's done. If for anybody us. get, if anybody gets that, you're of our generation. No, or older. So, Stephanie, you're leaving before you in there kicks you. Uh, that also might happen. So let's not rule that out. <laughs> yeah, let's not rule it out completely. It will happen eventually at some point in time. Kyle hey. has better internet than me. That's how bad men has gone. I haven't managed to recover, but that's because I've got a booster box sitting right there, about 10 foot away from us. <laughs> that's hey. cheating. Right. I found a place where we, well, I can do research and things. It's fantastic. Uh, oh you, a, you labora- know how... a, la- a laboratory. Well, that's yes. But you know how films. TV, games, all that sort of stuff. A lot of the times they'll just they'll in sci-fi and things like that, they'll just shove the word quantum or some shitty thing in front of something to make it sound more sci-fi and more scientific and stuff. Like, oh no, it's a quantum anomaly. Means absolutely fuck all when you actually look into it. Yes. That sort of thing. Yeah. Well apparently all they need to do is talk to the National Academy of Sciences. Because it provides a free science hotline. I've never thought I was going to say the words science hotline, but apparently there is one. Okay. Uh, in it's It was made to encourage filmmakers to use more scientifically accurate terminology and processes in movies. The service is free to both professional and amateur <laughs> films, TV, and video game projects. So you just contact them, ask them, like, how would this be done, or what would be the equation for this, that sort of thing. And it's sort of like how you can crowdsource information and say, like, look, how would this be done? And you can get people from all over the internet to say, look, okay, here you go. I think that's how the writer of The Martian did it. But yeah. apparently, you, apparently, you can just go to this play, go to this hotline, and they'll just sit there and try and work it out for you and figure it out. So you don't just sit there going, oh yes, it was a quantum event. 
okay. It's great. I love it. How are you not excited by this? There's a no, hotline where you can genu- go <laughs> That's genuinely quite impressive. That is genuinely quite good. It's this. It's the Science and Entertainment Exchange, and it's a program by the National Academy of Sciences, and it's meant to connect the industries of science and entertainment. Yeah, what is it? Yes. It's suppo- it's the goal of the exchange is to use the vehicle of popular entertainment media to deliver sometimes subtle but nonetheless powerful messages about science. Subtle but powerful messages. In other words, they're going to hypnotise with mind control. I was going to say it's mind control. So that's the goal: is mind control, is it? Yeah, apparently charter- chartered by. Well, it's American, so I don't know how accurate it's going to be. Uh, apparently, it was chartered by Congress in 1863 under an act signed by Abe Lincoln to provide scientific advice to the nation. The National Academy of Sciences, uh, which is a private, non-for-profit institution, is uclei- uniquely... Uniquely... <laughs> uniquely. Uniquely, yes. Uniquely... <laughs> Positions to draw on the expertise of thousands of men and women who have distinguished themselves in their fields. Uh, the uh, exchange can quickly and easily identify and contact the ideal expert for each consultation. That is quite good, I suppose. It is. It, it means if you ever like, so anybody who's an amateur writer or anything like that, if you've got something where you're sitting there going, eh, "Would this be possible?" or "How would they do this?" if you're doing like a sci-fi novel, like space or something. You can you can call up this hotline, or I think you can contact them on email and stuff. Contact them, and they can send you the signs. They can send you what would be possible, what wouldn't be possible, and you can actually see whether or not your plotline makes sense, or if it would be legitimately implausible, impossible in the real world. Which so, doesn't matter so I, much I, for sci-fi, but when you're doing something like The Martian or Gravity or something, it's a bit more important. I was going to say that's just... People are still going to do it. It's just that they're going to have to put it down as fiction instead of non-fiction. Yeah, exactly. It could, it could be non-fiction if it was plausible. Well, there's there's the thing. It's it sort of depends on what you're writing because, like we all know, you, you're not exactly going to apply standard laws of physics to a vehicle in Star Wars because we don't know how those engines work or all, all that sort of thing. But we do know that so, some of the technology is in real life now, and it is phys- physically possible. But a lot of it is just, look, this thing works, deal with it. Same with Star Trek. A lot of the things in Star Trek, it's, look, this thing works. He has our explanation for why it works. But it might be complete not a bollocks. Yeah. But then you'll have, you'll have things like, um, you'll have actual scientifically accurate shows and programs based on Apollo or something like that, where it needs to be more detailed, it needs to have all the correct science figures and formulas and all that sort of shit. Yeah. And yes, I know I sound highly professional by saying, and all that sort of shit at the end of a highly professional sentence. And we're used to it. <laughs> it's my default. Oh yeah, well done. I feel I'm like not, if you I... put me in a... I have, in fact, done that with the 
like lead of my workplace. Like I'm pretty sure the head teacher at my school has heard me explain something to someone and then ended with and that's right. Just highly technical explanation finish with shite. <laughs> and all that sort of shite. Yeah. And all that shit. Look at all those chickens. Look at all those wankers. Oh no, they're just Americans. Oh, Kyle. I could not resist. Or French. <laughs> there we go. No, positive. We're being positive. <laughs> Oh, okay, I will be po- I will be positive. I am positively pissed off at the fact of what the fuck is my hair doing? Right. Why is that your concern? Alright, I am being positive, right? Yes. There we go. There there are candles which are an emergency breathable source of air. So the burn so the burn carbon dioxide give off oxygen? Yes. Are they plants? Because it works better no, they... if you don't burn them. They are indeed, uh, these are oxygen candles. They're used as a backup source of breathable air in emergency. They, in addition, they supply an on-demand source of oxygen utilised in aeroplanes, space stations and other applications such as safe havens and refuge chambers. A, su- a safe supply of oxygen is critical to support life. We are dependent on it all. Kyle can't speak tonight. Right, okay. You can do it, Kyle. Sorry, I'm just making sure that the fuck is going on this year. The the candle supplied by the systems burns for approximately 60 to 90 minutes, producing 2,600 L of oxygen. I'm assuming that's litres. Yeah, it is. I'm never too sure with air, because air is a bit difficult to measure. Yeah, uh, this amount can provide approximately 20 hours of breathable air for four pe- people. Uh, four an peats. oxygen. Four peats, yes. Four peats. Uh, an oxygen cannot have its oxygen production regulated or halted once ignited. It just simply produces oxygen at a rate of approximately 28 litres per minute until it is exhausted. And this, be- this is because it's got fucking iron pow- powder in it. That makes it burn at a temperature of around 600 degrees. Well, some people like oxygen warm, Kyle. The initial energy required to start the reaction can occurs when a specific inflation mechanism, a brass starter, ignites the iron powder. So it's like a flintlock pistol? It's like a flintlock pistol, but it gives you oxygen instead of death. So it's the opposite of a flintlock pistol. Yeah. It's a life. It's a life candle. I prefer a flintlock pistol. I prefer a flintlock pistol, but, you know, these seem... And a flintlock pistol is reusable. But these seem quite good, man. Uh, so did America. Look how that turned out. Stefan, we're being positive. Oh, yeah, it's different when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Right, are you ready for the risks associated nope. with it? Uh, is it the fact that you can breathe in own violence and die? Um, possibly. There's that one. There's also um, oversaturation and fire hazards. <laughs> can you say that again, but a bit more cheerfully? There's that one. <laughs> There's that one. Uh, 
Oversaturation and fire hazards are the two notable risks. The candles can what? enter a state of elevated oxygen, maximum of 32%, classified as oxygen enriched. However, the same fire ignition risks remain at these percentages and no additional ignition risk is present. A severe fire hazard is present if the candles are mishandled. Um, these candles are designed to be used in situations where there is need for oxygen immediately and therefore worth the risk. That's just us writing, well, uh, writing like a documentation and directions of use for this. The candles are worth using if in fucking dire need. Yeah. I've invented and this for an emergency. Risk. When should I use it? Well, it's best to use in emergencies. <laughs> yeah, it's best to use in emergencies. Then it's worth the risk of possibly burning down whatever you're doing and giving yourself oxygen poisoning by breathing in far too much, far too quickly. Yeah, man. Say that. Yeah, yeah. Ste- Stefan, plants definitely work better when you don't burn them. Plants do work better when you don't burn them. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that is put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt. But I'm also looking at my bonsai, and he's looking very depressed at the thought. <laughs> burn it. Do it. I can't. I'm proud of him. He's hanging in there. He's getting used to the desert conditions of my room. <laughs> Do it. By bonsai tree, do you mean the cactus? No, I've legitimately got a bonsai tree next to the cactus. The yeah, cactus and the bonsai tree. The cacti and the bonsai tree are about a foot away from each other. They're both surviving, like but I get the feeling they're going to peak. What, the bonsai and the cactus tree? No, Kyle, the cactus and the bonsai are not the bonsai and the cactus tree, as you just said. Cat-ass. I said cactus, you dick. It's still not no, a cactus didn't. tree. Was, you said cat-ass. I mean, it could be a cactus tree. You can get cactus trees, can't you? No, I mean, you can get, get cactus that grow big enough to look like a tree, I guess. Exactly. I mean, it, when, when it's does... It's not it... a cactus tree. Okay, what defines a tree, then? Because to me, a tree is just oh, a God. plant that grows long enough to the point where it's possibly the height is, of a human. This is, this is going to be the hot, this is gonna be like the hot dog in the sap. Google the definition of a tree. I'm Googling the definition of a tree because I think a tall cacti can be defined as a tree. It bears fruit, it sheds. It doesn't bear fruit. This is good. good. Cacti bear fruit. There are cacti that bear fruit. Oh, they bear flowers. This is going to be be like the hot dog taco sandwich argument from last week. Hot dog taco sandwich. (laughs) Combine everything. Prickly pears. Opuntia, commonly called prickly pear or pear cactus. Cactus. Cactus! Yes. As a genus Why did of get plants in the cactus family. Prickly pears, also known as tuna, sabra, nopal, from the Nahutal word nopali for the pads, or nozzle, from the Nahutal word noctil for the fruit, or paddle cactus. It's legitimately a, a cacti that gets little nobbles on the top, and they're the fruits. Kyle? Yes. What? Speak English? I did speak English. Jordan, that's racist. Did I speak English? In the way that we can't, I can't understand. Oh, for God's sake. Right, apparently a tree is Kyle, a wooden structure. Apparently the American, the American or verb of count. tree is a wooden Stephen. structure or part of a structure. 
We're being positive. Uh, what? Whoa, 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 whoa! A tree is a wooden structure, according to Americans. A wooden structure or a part of a structure. All right. So most American houses are made of wood. Does that mean they all live in trees? Apparently so. They all. This live is how fucking stupid. I'm not. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to get annoyed. So does so does so does that mean when I play cricket, I'm, I'm swinging a I'm swinging a tree. You're throw you're throwing a tree at a tree, and you're also swinging a tree at the tree. Yeah. To hey. four small trees. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the noun is a a woody perennial plant, typically having a single stem or trunk growing to a considerable height and bearing lateral branches at some distance from the ground. And so no, it, it, it it needs to uh, be a stick that goes up to a decent height and then has sticks coming out of it. Which I think some cacti can do. I mean, uh, some of the cacti, like the traditional cartoon cacti, is one trunk in the middle and then it's got two branches coming out. So I would that could be a tree under some definitions. A violent I mean, tree, technically. It is an angry tree. It is a very angry tree. It is a tree of death. It is a prick tree. Kyle. It must be oh, American. Don't be nasty to the trees. The trees will come back and hurt you. The trees will haunt you. The trees know where you live. The, I'm pretty sure this tree is already haunting me and is where I live. This tree is communicating with all the other I, I, trees. Did you just say I'm pretty sure this tree is where I live? <laughs> No, this tree is conspiring against me. This tree is haunting me, and no so, so, so that tree is the a cat. It's the cat of the tree family. What? Because <laughs> you said it's plotting the killer. Oh, plotting the killers. Yes, cats definitely. In which haunted. case, in which case, everything's a cat. I'm pretty sure everything's plotting to kill me. You're a cat. I'm plotting to kill me. He was plotting okay. to kill somebody. I have another tree thing, okay? And it's to do with oaks. Probably the most commonly known tree in the world. Apparently they can talk with each other and collectively decide not to make acorns for an entire year to try and yeah, starve as many that, squirrels man. as they can. Yeah. So next year's yes. acorns will have a higher chance of turning into trees. The most aggressive tree in the world. I shall starve an entire species so that I have a chance of growing. That that is how orcs, you know, the mighty orc. That's why, it's not because they're big; it's because they fuck things up. And and are the and are the oldest trees are they in known history? Uh no. I, I just love the fact that in the natural world, the plants sit there, realize that animals are eating their seeds, and go, "No, fuck you! I'm going to starve you so that next year they can grow." <laughs> plants are slowly taking over. They are indeed. That's because they work better when they're not on fire. Well, that's the ones in Australia, Fred. Holy shit, Stefan has a camera. Not all of Australia's oh. on fire, John. Only half of it. Hmm. Not At any one time. What is going on with your background? It's picking Did up it? something Did... to your right. Did Did it? It? it looks like a llama plushie or something. A llama? Yeah, like, to your, to your left. Like, turn it left again. Right, if you turn it quick enough, whatever that white thing is next to you, if you turn it quick enough, it looks like a... like a... a some sort of plushie, but 
like a llama or a camel or something when you turn it quick enough because it's got the weird mouth nose thing and the eye up here and you know it makes sense in my head what kind of deformed Every... ass camels are you seeing look Kyle, it, with the eye up here you. <laughs> i said eye up here Look, That's okay. where eyes are. Okay, look, I am, I am, I may not be the most awake at the current moment in time. Yeah. Okay, give me some slack. No, 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 no I, I, I can't expect slack from you guys, can I? No. Nope. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, right, Stefan. No. Do you have issues waking up with alarms? Uh, I have issues waking up before my alarm goes off. Right. Jordan, do you have issues waking up with alarms? No, because I always wake up before my alarm goes off. How the fuck do you guys do that? I always wake up after the alarm's gone off. Twice. Because I set my alarm to get up for work at 7am and the past three nights I've woke up before 6. And I don't set an alarm so I can have a lie in and I can't remember the last time I woke up after 9. The longest I've lain is 8 o'clock. I fucking wish I set an alarm on a weekend for 11 o'clock so that I can get up and do stuff and I'll still sleep through it and wake up at 1. You son of a bitch. I just... I, honestly, I go into hibernation I, on the weekend. I, I, I might as I, well just hibernate. I usually wake up about 10, 15 minutes before my alarm's about to go I'm, off. Look at these... Uh, look at these... How can you be tired? I need to hibernate. After a week... Waking up early, I have to hibernate on the weekend to recover. No, you don't. I do. That's how my brain works. It doesn't let no. me do anything. I need to hibernate. Yeah, you're brilliant. It's just you. Anyway, I brought Dick. I brought it up, not just because I'm tired and my eyes feel like they're absolutely burning. Like oh, bless you. Oh, bless me, little cotton sock. Yeah, fuck you both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm saying Apparently, yeah, fuck you, John. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just fuck you. Fuck you both. Just collectively. I know you're going to say something at some point. So I was thinking it, but that's not the point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the um, the blah, 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 blah. so apparently I don't. Know I don't know what that is. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this is made up. I don't know if this has been proven. But apparently, one of the ways that people used to have alarms without having an electronic alarm and cuckoo clocks and all that sort of shit was that they used to put nails in a candle and burn the candle. Yeah, so then when the candle burns past, the candle would burn and there would be marks on it when you buy it at hour increments. And then you'd put yeah. a candle in. So say you wanted to wake up yeah. at 6am and you went to sleep at midnight. You'd put a, pit, a nail in the candle at the 6th mark down and it would take 6 hours to burn there. And when it burned through that bit, the nail would fall and hit the plate, plate and it would be a ting, and it would wake you up. How light of a sleeper was it? Now, you see, yeah. this is the thing, right? Two things about this. One, the fact that they could accurately tell why this is how long the candle's going to burn, that amazes me. Like, I love that sort of thing. The fact that candle makers can go... Right, I've got a candle of this big. I know that it's gonna. I know that this is the hour mark for each hour. Here you go. That is amazing craftsmanship to me. But also yeah. the fact of, yeah, how light of a sleeper must they be, or how heavy were the nails, or like were the nails hollow, or was there something 
to make the noise louder because I don't think a nail hitting a bit of metal and just tinging off it would wake me up. Uh, well, apparently it will. But on the, on the same thing, I'm pretty sure if there was a candle burning in my room, my brain wouldn't let me sleep purely because it knows that it may set fire to the room. And I would be able to smell it. You're not... They didn't have many soft furnishings there, then. And also... A lot of things were made of wood. And it's a candle, so it emits light. Yeah. And it also smells of burn. It, it does smell burny, but that's not a point. They didn't really I care back then. I just think those three things would have kept me awake. Just being able to smell something burning and being able to see this flicker of light. Like, if it's a constant light, it's not too bad. Or if it's in some sort of rhythm, not too bad. But if it's just a random flicker, that really annoys me when I'm trying to sleep. No, I'm fine. Honestly, I could fall asleep with anything. I can usually fall asleep quite well with anything, but for some reason, just flickering lights... I'm sure it's a crossover with my epilepsy or some shit, but flickering lights just pisses off. <laughs> I just can't deal with it. Uh, did you have anything prepared for this week, Stephen? Because I know that you had a few th- bits and pieces, bits and bobs. Do you want us to tell you a flood? Tell me a story about a flood. Can we, throw, can we throw bankers and politicians into sacks of snakes and then chuck them into the flood? E- yes. Okay, good. Then tell me his story of the flood. Right. <laughs> this is a story. About Balamori. Do you want to guess what it's about? What's the story in Balamori? Wouldn't you like it's to know? No, it's not about Balamori. It's also not about the food order that I just put in before. Right, okay. <laughs> right. This is a story. About, do you want to guess what it's about? This is a story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down. Sorry. You're making right. it too easy, man. I'm, I'm trying, I said, do you want to guess what it's about? Right. So, during I a flood, you said, you, you said it was about a flood. Is this yes. a flood to do with the Thames? No, it's Mississippi. The mm. Mississippi. Right. Are you ready? Are you ready? I am, I am, I am ready. I am strapped in. I am ready. During flooding on the Mississippi River in 1993, right, the Scots, yes. along with several other residents living in and around Quincy and Hatch, spent much of mid-July reinforced in the West Quincy Levee. Now, a levee is like a temporary flood barrier, locker, if you like, yeah, yeah, uh, flood fence. Uh, by July 16th, the river had stopped rising and it had actually even dropped about 48 centimetres, which is about one and a half foot below the levee. Uh, but then one night randomly, the effectively failed when the river burst through its main stem. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a resultant flood. Um, ooh, should I do... Uh, I'll miss some details. So... Um, no, but many people on the Missouri side of the river had to drive 80 miles to either St. Louis or Burlington, Iowa, to fly or take a ferry to get across the river for several weeks after the waters receded. Right? 
Uh, one major bridge, the Bayview Bridge, was out of service for 71 days. Several businesses in West Quin- Quincy were also destroyed, most of which have never returned. Uh, reporter Michelle McCormack of WGEMTV and the NBC affiliate in Quincy was told by two DOT workers at, that at the edge of the bridge there was a man standing close by and he was first. She walked, walked up to him and Scott volunteered to do a live interview with him uh, and photographer Rick Junkerman. So this is James Scott or James Robert Scott. Right? Okay. Uh, Scott, Scott said that he had seen a weak spot in the le- levee and tried to put more sandbags along it. He then said he went for a drink only to come back and discover that the levee had actually let go. He then helped the Coast Guard load boats into the floodwaters uh, and in a second interview with him at his home, uh, he told a similar story. Okay? Yeah. Oh, happy with that. Yeah. Is this the story of he, he reinforced it, got pissed, went back and removed all of his reinforcements or something? Not quite. Because that's Scott's kind a, of what I'm expecting. Scott's account of the flood sounded suspicious to Neil Baker, a Quincy Police Department. Baker was familiar with Scott. He had arrested Scott in 1982 and 1988 for arsons while he was a patrolman. For one thing, Baker noticed that Scott looked remarkably clean to have been working on a levee all day. He also had trouble recalling simple details about working on the levee. Baker also noticed that Scott was not wet, which you would expect him to have been wet. Missouri authorities were also suspicious. The levee had failed at one of its strongest points, and that area had been inspected only two hours earlier. They became even more suspicious when they found out about Scott's extensive uh, criminal record, uh, including the arsons. Adam County, Illinois Sheriff deputies questioned him a week after the flood, and he was unable to keep his story straight. Right. Okay. Okay, so, yeah, I'm getting... Yeah. So what what are you thinking at this point? That he sabotaged it. I'm thinking that he sabotaged it or he did it drunkenly, but I'm also thinking that everybody's got their focus on him and it was actually someone else, like his brother or something. So I'm going to ask you to come to a story here, Kyle. What do you think? Okay, I'm going to say that everybody thinks it's him and he. the reason he gets his details so mixed up and stuff is because he wasn't actually there. Someone else was doing his work and they're the ones that fucked it up. Right. Jordan? I'm going with the sabotage. He did why, the sabotage. Why, why would he sabotage it? He's, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's criminal anyway, so... <laughs> God damn it, Jordan. I'm that nice. Oh. On October the 1st, Quincy arrested police, uh, Quincy on unrelated burglary charge. During questioning, he yes. admitted to pulling... Four sandbags from one portion of the levee and moving them into a trouble spot he had claimed to have seen. He told police, my town was in trouble. The folks in Quincy and in West Quincy were about to lose everything. That's why I went down to that levee. I had no plans to hurt anyone or anything. They needed help, so I helped. While he didn't deny any, well, he denied any intent to cause harm. He said, I didn't mean to cause a problem, but I did, and now I'm up Shit Creek. He was later released after an hour and a half. Uh, however, he was convicted of burglary in January 1994 and sentenced to 10 years in prison. So the dude legitimately tried to help people, but in doing so, weakened one of the, one of the links, thinking it would be fine because it was one of the strongest parts and ended up causing the flood. Okay. No. That's what that sounded like. That's what that's what it is at the moment. Okay. Well, authorities on both sides of the river joined federal authorities to investigate the case. 
Their investigation led to Joe Flack, an old friend of Scott's. Authorities that Scott had told him he had broken the levee so he could strand his wife Susie on the Missouri side of the river. Susie worked as a truck stop in Taylor, Missouri. As the story went, Scott wanted to be free to party, fish and have an affair. <laughs> Investigators subsequently found other witnesses who said Scott had boasted about breaking the levee at a party he had after the flood. Based on the evidence, Missouri for trial in November 1994. This guy flooded a whole fucking town so that he could fish and get his leg over and strand his wife. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this it gets better right so he's, uh, right okay scott was tried under the 99 missouri law that made it a crime to be intentionally could cause a catastrophe codified 5.070 of the missouri revised statuses defined a catastrophe as a death or serious physical injury to 10 or more people or substantial damage to five or more buildings or inhabitable structures or substantial damage to vital public facilities, which seriously impairs its usefulness or operation. Due to publicity, the place to, the case the trial took in Kirksville, sixty eight miles west of Quincy. Prosecutors and investigators believe that Scott either removed or cut the plastic sheets covering the levee, then burrowed through the sand until the water rushed in. The defence rested largely on two soil experiments uh, two soil experts who testified that there was strong enough evidence that the levee failed due to natural causes. David Hammer, of the University of Missouri, said there had been something like 11 or 12 levee failures upriver from West Quincy, and that Charles Morris, of the University of Missouri Roller, said that last-minute decision to bring the bulldozers up the shore to the levee um, actually weakened its structural integrity. The prosecution pertained numerous witnesses claiming to have heard Scott bragging about breaking the levee and pointed to the inconsistencies in his story. After a three-day trial, the jury deliberated for four hours and then convicted Scott of causing a catastrophe. A month later, he was sentenced to 10 years to life in prison to run consecutively with his sentence. Uh, He appealed in 97 um, and basically tried to get a conviction. It didn't work. He's up for parole in 2023. But some of the key details of the story, right? He was trying to have an affair, so he, he broke the river, right? What he's in prison for, and is on his criminal record right now, as he can't apply next year, is, is and I quote, causing a catastrophe. But honestly, right? that is fucking bragging rights. If you go to, if you're going to prison for anything, you want it to be something stupid like causing a catastrophe. <laughs> but the the best way, give us a second. Causing a natural disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to quickly Google this. And do, do, do. Oh, right. Okay. If, if so, I ever go to prison, that's the type of thing I want to go to prison for. Causing a catastrophe or just something that sounds so typically British or stupid. Not doing human experiments. I mean, that too. Who says I'm not yeah. doing them now? Yeah, it's us. <laughs> right, here we go. Oh, here we go, here we go, right, so, so found. right, so, do you want to know what the damage was done, what damage was done, so he done this so he could have a uh, fishing parties and shit, yep right. do, 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 do. Uh, uh, the flood, that night, right, so when the when it flood inundated 14,000 acres or 57 square kilometers on the Missouri side of the river. In one incident, a barge was sucked into the hole in the levee and slammed into a gas station. 
station causing a fire. It was bridges in the area, and the only links across the river for 200 miles. No one was killed, but many people on the Missouri side of the river had to drive 80 miles to get round. Uh, the major bridge there that didn't get washed out was out of service for 71 days. Several businesses in West Quincy were destroyed, most of which have never returned. And the cost was calculated uh, 10 years after in 2000, uh, sorry, uh, 2004, uh, estimated it would have cost approximately $20 billion worth of damage. This guy nice. caused $20 billion worth of damage. He caused a fire in a petrol station by hitting it with a bar. He caused a fire in a petrol station by hitting it in a, with a barge during a flood. During a flood that he caused that wiped out in 200 miles bar one that was out of service for 71 days. Why? So he could have a party and go fishing without his wife nagging him. Uh, the interesting you go on Wikipedia. Right? The most va- valuable so resource known to man. Well, also the funniest of times because this is Scott. James Robert Scott, November 20th, 1969, age 52. Criminal status, imprisoned at Jefferson City Correctional, earliest possible release, 2023. Spouse, Susie Scott, in brackets, divorced. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would be amazed if they weren't divorced. Yeah, your criminal charge causing a catastrophe 20 years to life. <laughs> Uh, so his case was overturned in 1987, but then reinstated in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> so it only oh. took them a year. Yeah, it just took them a year. I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad going. I would... Causing a catastrophe just sounds like such a made-up prosecution, though. It does. But it is funny. Imagine what you're in for, causing a catastrophe. How long are you here? At least 20 years. Possibly live. The fuck did you lost twenty million do- no, sorry, twenty billion dollars worth of damage billion. so I could have fish efficient weekend by myself. <laughs> it was just divorced anyway, so it was pointless. That is one expensive fishing trip. I, I fucking hell man. I love it. Jordan, do you have any topics or anything? No. Okay, then I am going to do a light-hearted one to finish us up. Please, you said open, not off. There is a man called Emmett who is... The Lego Lego Master. I don't know anything about that. Oh, that just reminds us of the crazy old man of Red Dead. It's Emmett (laughs) who uh, has worked in... The San Francisco Columbarium for 26 years and is still working there. And he has spent those 26 years restoring it. And we don't mean with a team. We mean him alone, paintbrush, tools, restoring it slowly but surely each and every day. Slow Yes. I felt like it took 26 years. It, it's it's took 26 years of work for it to be able to be open to the public and ha- have people visit it and things, visit the urns and all that sort of thing, with some of them, be, some of them, some people deciding to be in silly contraptions and silly things, and others deciding to be in more traditional and elaborate, one, and elaborate ones, elaborate ones. <laughs> uh, 
Some of the, some of the rooms still bear their original names with the Greek words for constellations and winds, uh, and it's one of the very few places left that can legally house human remains. Um, and apparently, uh, he likes to call them apartments instead of instead of saying that it's um like a grave or anything like that. He calls them apartments because it makes it sound a little bit happy. It's it's your after death apartment. But uh, Emmett already has his his own apartment reserved, and his urn is going to be a paint bucket. Why not? What? But I think I think Emmett needs a lot more recognition for the work he's done. His his name's Emmett Watson, and in eighteen in nineteen eighty seven, the new owners hired him to restore the ruined building. Uh, now 58 years old, Emmett still remembers the first time he set foot in it at the age of 32. He says it scared the crap out of him. He walked in and saw two raccoons, pigeons, and mushrooms growing out of all the walls, and the floors were all slimy and green. Good going. So he has single-handedly restored a landmark which can house human remains, which is now becoming more popular with people housing human remains. And he has spent... All that time doing it single-handedly. So I just want to say thank you, Emmett, for bringing back a beautiful piece of history. A beautiful <laughs> piece of history. Yes, I know. Piece of history. A beautiful piece of history because I love ar- I love architecture and all that sort of thing, and I think it is a fantastic job. So thank you. That is a good job. Could, somebody could have helped them, though. Somebody could have. I wish somebody would have. You think that in 26 years someone would have done some fundraisers to get some contractors to do in a few months? <laughs> nah. Yeah. Well. Kyle. Yes? It's time. It is time. Do your thing. I've got I've got to double check them all here because I'm sure the Twitter one's missing. We still do have Twitter. The Twitter one is missing. Is is Twitter just at taken off air? I'm assuming it yes. is because everything's taken off air. Right. right. Okay. Wait there. Right. Tell us when you're ready. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash taken off air. Find us at TikTok at taken off air. One of our own merch, find us at taken off air.com forward slash shop. The shop's currently closed. Sorry. Uh, find us on twitch.tv forward slash taken off air. Find us on Spotify to search for taken off air podcast. You'll find one. Buy me a coffee at, ta- at dot com forward slash taken off air to buy us a coffee or a cup of tea for me. Uh, join us on Reddit with forward slash r forward slash taken off air. You can support us on Acast with supporter.acast.com forward slash taken off air. You can join us next week at taken off air.com forward slash live or all the good places. And Twitter at Taken Off Air. You can find us at all the good places. We have been your hosts, Kyle, Stefan, and Jordan. Good night. 38 seconds. <laughs> I need to get a script. I'm going to have to write up a script of what it should be so that I follow the same script every time so it's an accurate timing because I change it every time. I know. Well, maybe you'll find more efficient ways to do it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. And remember, plants work better if you don't burn them. Yes, it has been a pleasure. I am going to go and water my bonsai to keep it happy. Not with fire. Not with fire. Don't kill it. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. It has been a pleasure.
and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.